Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us here on The Rescue, where you will hear Brother Dewey Dwyer preaching in the Word of God concerning the last days and events that are in our world today, leading to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most importantly, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now, here is your speaker, Brother Dewey Dwyer. Praise the Lord. I'm Dewey Dwyer and I'm here to tell you what the Word of God, the 1611 King James Version of the Bible says, of the fact that you're a sinner and you're a hellbound sinner. And a lot of times we see portrayed in our world today uh, as if hell was a joke and people speak of it in a slang word, hell this, hell that, and so forth. But today I want to show you the danger you're in and you know with common sense that you're going to die. You may die this second. And if you do die without believing in the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to hell. And today I'll tell you the way to go to heaven and not go to hell. And the word that's most misused in our world today is truth. And the Bible says as Jesus was talking to an old judge there named Pilate in chapter 18 verse 35 through 38. We'll read that in a minute. And one of the words that old Pilate said was, what is truth? Isn't that exactly what you're seeing nowadays in our world? As people don't know what truth is. Lying is one of the greatest defenses of man nowadays anywhere and everywhere on earth. In fact, almost everyone is a born liar, as we call them. You're a born liar. You've heard that slang, haven't you? But the Bible says over in the end of Revelation that all liars, all liars will take up their place in the lake of fire. Now how can you become not a liar? That's by believing in the Savior. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that was crucified on Calvary's cross for you, that you may go to heaven and not have to go to hell. But if you don't believe the words of God, 1611 King James Version of the Bible, this watered-down things that you see laying around hundreds of them all over this earth, these imitation Bibles as I call them, they will sway you their direction and you'll be caught up and believing a lie and you will become a liar. That's just one of the sins. Just one sin's all it takes for you to go to hell. And that's the sin of unbelief. Not believing in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read a portion of scripture over here. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, bless this sermon, bless these words as it goes out to television and to the satellites and to all those shortwave in different places that people are hearing us right now, billions of people. And Father, we thank you for that privilege to tell people how not to go to hell. And by your words, Holy Spirit, anoint me with power. And Father, in Jesus' name, we ask this. And we thank you for doing it. Over chapter 18 of John, the book of John, Pilate was interrogating Jesus, and he was talking to him. And Pilate said to Jesus in verse 35, 
Pilate answered, said, Am I a Jew? He was talking to Jesus. Jesus just said, I told you that you're not a Jew. You're not part of this thing. But he said, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered you, Jesus, thee, unto me. What hast thou, do, what hast thou done? Jesus, in verse 36, answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I would not be delivered unto the Jews, not unto the Jews to be crucified, but now is my kingdom not from this world, not from hence. And Pilate, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou king then? Questioning Jesus. And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. Jesus was saying, That's why I was born of a virgin birth without sin, that I would be crucified on Calvary's cross. But Pilate didn't know all this yet, but Pilate was the one who was, had to make the decision. And so Jesus says, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Notice that word truth again. Jesus was the way. Jesus was the truth. And Jesus is the life. And no man can come to God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone that is of the truth, born again Christians. Now you can't be of the truth unless you're born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That if you'll admit you're a sinner, believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon whom you believe on. That's Jesus. Call upon His name. And then the believing that's inside of you, Jesus knows if you're telling the truth. And then when you call upon Him, He knows you believe. Then you can talk to God. But without believing... In the death, burial, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and His finished works on Calvary's cross, you cannot even pray to God. You have all these people that's praying all over this earth. Pray for this, pray for that. They don't have a prayer. There's no prayer that goes to God until you believe in Jesus Christ and His finished works on Calvary's cross. And God knows your heart if you truly believe. But Jesus said, Everyone that is of the truth, that means born-again Christians, heareth my voice. You can't hear the voice of God because God does not speak to sinners. Over in John 9.31, the Word of God says, And we know that God hears not sinners. Hears not the prayer of sinners. Lost people. Hey, lost man. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're just as lost as any human on this earth. Right now, you're hearing the Word of God. I'm telling you that the words of God said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, that's your soul, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Then with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, when you believe in Jesus and His finished works on Calvary's cross, it has to come out of your mouth. You will confess to other people that you have believed in Jesus and His finished works on Calvary's cross. See, you can't fool God. You might feel, fool the world around you as what the television's filled up with. Prosperity gospel, jumping and, and dancing and having fun, just like in Sodom and Gomorrah. But 
if they haven't believed, they can dance in vain. They can shout in vain. And they beg the world in vain because God hears not the prayer of sinners. But Jesus said, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Then verse 38, Pilate said unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault. I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom, the Jews have a custom, that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you re therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Verse 40. The Jews cried out. Then cried they all again, saying, Not Jesus, this man. Don't release Jesus. This is the Jewish nation that rejected Jesus Christ as their... They did not reject. They, they rejected Jesus. They didn't, they didn't want Jesus to be their king. They rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah and their leader. Why? Because they had a willing mind, just like you do. You can reject just like the Jews did. But he said, and they cried out, the Jews cried out all again, saying, Not this man Jesus, not Jesus, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber, so he was a criminal. But the world today is doing the same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ as the Jews did. But Jesus was crucified on Calvary's cross that you now have a choice to go to heaven or hell. If you want to go to hell, that's your privilege. Over on 2 Corinthians 8.12, a man must first have a willing mind. A willing mind is what you do in everyday life. So a willing mind to keep you out of hell, you must willfully believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from your heart. That's your soul. And if you don't believe, then it's hell and the lake of fire. Because why? Why do you have to go to the lake of fire? The Bible clearly states over in Romans 3.23 For all have sinned. Every person on this earth. When they're born. When they come out of the womb. The moment that they were conceived before they came out of the womb. They were saved by God to a certain length of time. All babies belong to God until they come to the age of accountability. What is this age of accountability? We do not know. Some children come to the age of accountability at three and four years old. Some are six and seven. We don't know. But God knows and that child knows. So when they know about Jesus Christ and His finished works on Calvary's cross, they're accountable to God. The fact that they are sinners, that they're going to hell. And if they refuse to believe in Jesus, a lot of people say, you mean God's going to let little children go to hell? As soon as that child becomes to the age of accountability, when he knows about Jesus, and God said, I'll write my laws on their heart and put them in their mind, and they'll know that they're a sinner, then they're accountable to God. And if they refuse God and they die, those little children are going to hell. 
And old people who have suffered all their lives. They've suffered in wheelchairs and they've been sick all their life or been hurt and all those things. Old people go to hell too. Young people, teenagers go to hell too. The hell is going to be full of all different kinds of people. Why? Because that person would not believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ when they knew that God had done this special thing for them on Calvary's cross. See, Jesus was God. He was the only begotten Son of God, born of a virgin birth, and lived 33 and a half years on this earth, and was crucified by a cruel nation called the Jews. But God selected the Jews as His people. Why? I don't know. But God does. But He said, you reject me and you'll pay the price as everyone on this earth that rejects my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, He said. And you will pay the price of sin and you'll go to hell. I mean, you're going to the hell for a thousand years and then there's a great white throne judgment. You're going to a lake of fire. There's no escape when you refuse to believe in the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it seems that many people are called for different things. But it seems that God called me to tell you how not to go to hell. And He calls every Christian to tell other people about the love of God and the wrath of God and how not to go to hell. But God gave us a chance to preach to billions of people around this world from a little place in Bremen, Kentucky. Who did this? God did. I'm telling you the truth. What is truth in our country today? A man wrote an article and he said, The truth has fallen in the streets of the United States of America and all the world because they reject the truth, which is Jesus Christ. As he said I'm, in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and no man come to the Father God but by me. So you can't go to Jesus except by hearing the Word of God. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But then when you hear the Word of God, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He's the one that did the works on Calvary's cross. There's no works you can do to go to heaven. You must believe. 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 And when you believe, it's your willpower. God installed a willpower in every human on this earth. That person has the right to reject Jesus if they like. He has the right to go to hell if he wants to. Who'd want to go to hell? Did you see this picture we just had on here? That's a place of burning fire and inferno. Did you ever burn your finger? How awful it hurts. You, you grab it and you squeeze it to stop the, stop the pain and you're putting some burn medicine on it. This is going to be all over you. Not just for a while but for a thousand years. And then you take it out of hell and put into the lake of fire to pay for your sins. Direct deposit. Every moment that you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior with the simplicity of just believing in Him with your willpower. And God knows your heart. If you don't believe, then you are going to hell. And you can't fake it with God. You can fake it with the next door neighbors. You can fake it with all the people around you. You can get on television and portray yourself as almighty and all holy in all your garb that you put on trying to put on a Hollywood gospel. And you'll go to hell. And you'll go to hell for believing in these Hollywood gospel people. And this 
professional beggar bunch that you got on there. You notice we don't ask you for any money. We don't sell anything. We're just asking you to save your soul. I can't do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. That's what your willpower is for. It's to hear the Word of God and know how to be saved. That if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Yes, every moment that you're alive, you say, well, what is sin? How do I get in this state? It all started in the Garden of Eden when Adam... Uh, Garden of Eden, and if you don't believe the Bible, you won't believe this story either. But Adam and Eve was put in the Garden of Eden. God created man there. In the Garden of Eden, God placed these people and told them not to disobey God. But they did. They did what God told them not to do. Eat of the fruit of a tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, and they went ahead and did it. And then you became a sinner. You inherited sin through the Adam and Eve, the first two people on this earth. You're a descendant. And that sin nature came right down to you today. And you're a hell-bound sinner for all of sin. Come short of the glory of God. You must be born again. John 3, 3 says, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Except you be born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He said, marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. How do you do that? Admit you're a sinner. Believe in the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. And when can you do that? Oh, I'll do it anytime I want to. No. No man can come to God the Father except Jesus. He said, no man can come to me except the Father who sent me. Draw him. Jesus is the way. When you hear the Word of God, that's the only time you can be saved. When God is drawing you. Think about it. You've got a time to go through a door. You walk up to that door. You open that door and God's opening the door to salvation to you today because He opened the door at Calvary's cross that you could be saved. There's a time element for you to go through that door. You must walk through that door. You must come to Jesus when you hear the Word of God and be saved then. Once that door closes, it's over. God may never call you. He may never open the door again. He may turn you over to a reprobate mind as Romans in the first chapter talks about the people as they degraded themselves two or three different stages and went to the bottom. And finally at the last, God said, I turn them over to a reprobate mind. And they can't hear the Word of God no more. They can't see the Word of God no more. It don't mean anything to them anymore. As long as you can hear me or any other born-again Christian or you can read the Bible and it makes sense, you can go to heaven. You can be saved, but you've got to do what God said. Admit your sinner. Believe in the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He was crucified on Calvary's cross for you. What is sin? What is this thing called sin? Your own secular dictionary says that it's a transgression. Transgression means a forceful thing over a law. You're breaking the law. The law of who? The law of God, the Ten Commandments. Today we're honoring about two of the Ten Commandments in our United States of America. And nowhere hardly in the world is the gospel preached. That's why we're trying to get the word to you that live all over the world through the Airways, as God made it possible for Dewey Dwyer to be able to do this. 
It's nothing, dude. Dwarves, nothing. It's God's Word that's all in all. It's Jesus or nothing. It's Jesus, the Savior, the Lord, the God of the universe, and the Holy Spirit of God. He takes it into your heart. He convicts you of the fact that you're a sinner. Transgression of the laws of God. The dictionary says it's an evil. It's a violation of an accepted moral and religious or social code. Sin is a lack of conformity to the, like, to the character of God, whether it be an act or state. Sin is a hopelessly incurable disease of the soul, like leprosy, like cancer, like AIDS, like TB. Sin. Sin is a transgression of God's law. This is what's happening to our world today. The truth has been kicked down and fallen into the street and walked on as if it wasn't real. People say, what, of it? what is right? What is wrong? Let me tell you the 1611 King James Version of the Bible is the Word of God. And what it says is God's law. There's no way you can change it. Many people have rewritten the Bible and tried to change sections of it. But God said, my word stands sure. And no man can change God's word. God said, I will. And he said, I will fulfill every word that's written down in that Holy Scripture. And one of them is the most important of all. That you must believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe in His finished works on Calvary's cross. You must ask Him to come in your heart. See, God don't owe you salvation. He don't owe you anything. It's His unmerited favor, the grace of God, unmerited favor of God that He lets you go to heaven because Jesus made the way on Calvary's cross. Of course, the fact that you're a sinner is a deadly thing. And a deadly thing means that sin has to be paid for. Sin is an act. Sin is the state you're in. It's the nature you're in. You don't want to go to hell. And maybe you don't believe in hell. But I'll tell you one thing. Those that don't believe in hell, when they get there, there's going to be a revival in hell. Everyone in hell is going to believe that hell is real. Everyone that's ever went to hell and they're there now forever until a thousand years is up, then they're going to the lake of fire. They are believers. But it's too late. See, they believe too late. They went to hell and they believed that Jesus finished His works on Calvary's cross that they could be saved. They believed that God's Word stands sure. They believed the words of God unto salvation. But it's too late. Too late. What about you? What if you died right now? What if your heart quit? And you do know that heart quits sometime with no reason whatsoever. My brother, for instance, he went down to the doctor. I don't know if my brother was saved. He never told me he was. And he never said a word about salvation. But a lot of people try to preach in him in heaven. But anyway, my brother had just went to the doctor. The doctor checked him over for his physical. He's going on a long trip. Said, you're in perfect health. Good heart, everything. One day later, his wife was on the phone. My brother walked out the back, back door onto the back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. And fell face forward onto the ground. Dead. Heart quit. Just like that. That can happen to you. 
Because death is sure. It's appointed men once to die, but after that, the judgment. Death, hell, and then the lake of fire. Why? Why would you let Satan drag you into hell? When all you had to do was believe the Word of God. You say, oh, I can't live that way. I cannot live like these Christians. Let me tell you. No, you can't. But God can live through you. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by believing in Jesus and His finished works on Calvary's cross, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit borns a new person inside of you. And that person is born of God. It doth not commit sin because it's born of God. That's your soul. But the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I'll be in you and with you always. So God protects you in every way. And you want to tell others about the wonderful things of God. As we close, listen closely. Today I've told you that you're going to hell. You don't have to go. Simply believe in the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And ask Him to come in your heart. But you've got to believe before you can even ask. Believe in Jesus. Ask Him in your heart. Dear God, dear God, I'm a sinner. I believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in His finished works on Calvary's cross as a perfect sacrifice for me for my redemption. Jesus, come into my heart. I'm willing to repent with your help. Jesus, save me today. Jesus, come into my heart. He said to you, in John 6, 37, Him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. Do it today. Save your life.
I could not find my way My only hope was just to die For myself I could not pray I was lost in the world of dying Never knew who saved my life But in my desperate moment Somebody called my name that night Won't somebody call my name in prayer tonight I can't pray, I'm too weak And the Lord knows I'm
But I can point you to one who paid the price for your peace of mind. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God. If you'll just turn to him right now, listen, he'll give you that peace that you've never had before. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare place for you. And if I go and prepare place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for ever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, 
and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away, and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the Prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise. Let us go hence. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people, filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides the silent cries Only Jesus hears People need the Lord People need the Lord At the end of broken dreams He's the open door And on they go through private pain 
living fear to fear Laughter hides the silent cries That only Jesus hears People need the Matthew chapter number 19. Something happened this year that has never happened to me before. And um, sometimes God does something and, and you really have no explanation for it. But at the beginning of the year, I had a preacher down in Mississippi ask me to come and share my testimony. And he said, I just want you to preach your testimony. He said, we're going to have a, a series of Sundays and he said, the Sunday you're going to preach is just about salvation. Well, I preached my testimony, and I never really had done that before. I'd only alluded to it, but I, I preached it. And that morning after the uh, uh, message, the invitation, there were eight adults that came, eight church adults that came forward to be saved. 
there was one deacon, and I'll tell you, there's nothing better than a deacon getting saved. That's, that's one of my favorite things, is just to see a, a deacon get saved, amen? But anyway, we had eight folks saved, and then he called me, or, or sent me a, a, a letter, actually, and he told me that after that, several more folks got saved, and I was real encouraged about that. And then I was preaching down in Benton, Arkansas at a youth uh, meeting, and, and, and Friday night I preached again, and I shared my testimony, and we had 15 saved. Amen. And then after the service, people were being saved. I don't know how many got saved, but it was a wonderful thing. Then we were at camp at Windsor Hills, and uh, we had uh, 40 saved. Amen. And then two weeks ago on Wednesday night at a youth conference, on one night we had 56 people Saved, And the thing that really impressed me was that there was a pastor that got the assurance of his salvation. Two youth directors got saved. Two pastors' wives. Two youth directors' wives. And then there were several Christian workers, like Christian school teachers and, and other workers that got saved. And you know, I remember what uh, George W. Truett said before he died. He was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, many, many years ago. And someone asked him, they said, Pastor Truett, if you could have one thing before you die, if you could have one wish granted, what would you wish? He said, I wish half my people were saved in my church. He said, I'd like to have half the folks in my church saved. Now, folks, I, I don't know what will happen tonight. It doesn't matter if I preach God's word and the spirit of God is here, which he is. Whatever God wants to happen will happen. But I want you to listen. I know it's late. And I wasn't going to even preach this. Brother Stanley said, you just go ahead. And so I am. And so if you need to leave, go ahead. But I'm going to, I'm going to preach this as quickly as I can. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus saith, said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know something? You and I know that keeping the commandments will not save you. But why did Jesus respond in that manner? Why did Jesus ask this young man or basically tell this young man that these are the things that he had to do? I asked myself that question for quite a while, but then I understand this, and this is such a powerful truth. The commandments not, cannot save you, but the commandments can sure make you lost. And ladies and gentlemen, what Jesus was doing here, he was speaking to a self-righteous young man. The truth is that this young man lied. He had not kept all the commandments from his youth up. But this young man didn't come to Jesus to get something. He came to Jesus to show Jesus how self-righteous he was. He came to Jesus to show Jesus that he was living a life that basically was above the law. And of course, that was not true. But you know, Jesus was not in any way intimidated by what this young man said. He said, okay, I'll tell you what, here's what you can do. Go out and sell all that you have and follow me. And immediately the young man shut up.
up and he walked away because the Bible says he had great riches. Now, I want to show you something in this portion of Scripture that is so important. This young man came to Jesus, but he came to Jesus with the wrong motive. And because he did, he didn't get saved. He could have gotten saved, but he didn't get saved because there was no conviction in his life. He had no conviction. He didn't come to Jesus broken like so many others did. He came to Jesus actually with the agenda of showing Jesus how good he was. I'll tell you one thing, no one comes to Jesus like that and gets saved. Nobody. Now turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 8. Very familiar scripture here in Acts chapter 8, verse number 9. Acts 8, verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, now notice what they said about him, this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Look at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. Ladies and gentlemen, here is a man that was involved in sorceries and he came to, to the point where he believed. The Bible says clearly that in verse 13 he believed also and he was baptized. But he wasn't saved. This man's not saved. You say, how do you know? Well, take a look here. Look, the Bible says, I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. That's not the testimony of a Christian. That's not the testimony of a person who's saved. You say, but he believed. Hey, the devils believe and tremble. This man isn't a Christian. He had ulterior motives. But here's the thing that really sticks out about him. And this is what bothers me today in our churches, is here there is no repentance. Notice what Peter said in verse 22. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness. Let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen. Those two elements are missing so often in our invitations, in our services, and the altar call, and especially in our soul winning. No one gets saved unless they are first convicted of their sin. And no one gets saved unless they repent of that sin and turn to God. I was born in, at an early age, and many of you were too. When I was five years old, 
My folks said to me, it's time to get saved. You're, you're old enough now to understand. Now, I came out of the church of God, and some of you have heard me preach. I've shared that with you. I came out of the church of God. And the church of God, they believed in salvation, but they were Arminian in belief. They were all millennial. They, they were messed up. But they did preach salvation. And my parents were very concerned that I... God would get saved. And so at the age of five, my dad said, son, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And my dad's a good man. I love my dad with all my heart. But my dad, he, he just felt like that I had come to the point where I needed to get saved. So he said, son, you, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And I said, no. And what five-year-old does want to go to hell? He said, you want to go to heaven, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I want to go to heaven. He said, okay. He said, if you want to go to heaven, let's pray. And I prayed a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for me. I'm sorry for my sin. And the best I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin and save me. I prayed a prayer like that. Now, will a prayer like that save you? Absolutely. But I was under no conviction. I didn't repent of my sin. I prayed a prayer. When I got done praying, my dad made this statement. Do you feel better? I said, yeah, I feel better. He said, okay, son. He said, Sunday we're going to go and uh, tell the preacher you got saved. So Sunday morning, I went up there up front, and the pastor put his arm around me, and they called me Ricky. And they said, little Ricky got saved. He got saved. Aren't you happy? Amen. We're all happy. All right, we're going to go baptize him. So they baptized me. And so there I was. I prayed a prayer. I, I believed. I got baptized. Joined the church. On my way to hell. The problem is this. I hung on to that thing. I hung on to that prayer. And I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, just to shorten this, I, I went through my adolescent years, I went through my high school years, and here I was getting ready to go to Bible college to be a preacher. And so my mom, she got sick. And, and through her sickness, she nearly died, and she was bedridden, and she started watching Jerry Falwell on television. Now, I, I don't have anything to do with Lynchburg or, 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 or Liberty anymore, but that's where I went to school. But before you criticize me, understand, I was in the church of God. I didn't know anything. So... Anyway, my mom said, I want you to go down to Lynchburg. I want you to go down to that Baptist college. I said, I'm not going down to Baptist college. I said, that's like a cult. <laughs> See, that's what they taught me. The damnable doctrine of eternal security. Oh, that's all we talked about. Man, we are to be careful with the Baptists. If the Baptist comes around, you've got you to watch it. So, anyway... I said, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to be a Baptist. And so my dad said, look, son, your mom wants you to go. She, she may not be around much longer. You do it for your mother. So I said, okay, I'll go down there for a year. And so anyway, I went down there. And I got down there, and we had to build our own bunks. We had this old condemned camp down on the James River, and we had to build our own bunks. We didn't have hot water until December. We didn't have heat in there until November. I mean, it was amazing. I, I used to think of college ivy walls, ivy walls, and instead I had weeds. <laughs> Two to a room. I had 26. 26 guys, and I happened to be bunking with a guy that reminded me of Ernest. Remember Ernest? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. 
He had a light blue shirt and gray polyester pants. That wasn't so bad. He had five sets of the same clothes. And he never washed them. He only rotated them. <laughs> and I was, I was bunking with that guy. Well, I got down there, you know, and I thought, I thought I'm going to tell these guys a thing or two. So anyway, we had devotions the first night. And I said, I want to say something right off the bat. And they said, okay. And I said, my name is Rick Dawson. I'm from south side of Chicago. And I said, I just want you to know I'm not a Baptist. I don't want to be a Baptist. I said, I think all of you guys are wrong doctrinally. And so one guy said, well, why are you here? I said, I'm here because my mother was dying and she wants me to be here. But I said, I just don't want you cramming anything down my throat. I didn't know beans about anything. I never read my Bible. I didn't read my Bible. You'd be amazed at how many people don't read their Bibles, especially when they're not saved, amen? So I never read my Bible. So one guy came up to me and said, hey, since you're from the church of God, I want you to tell me what you believe. I said, okay. I said, I believe the Bible. <laughs> That's a good answer. I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I know, but what do you believe about the Bible? I believe all of it. <laughs> That's the best I could do. I didn't know anything. And he, and he gave me some good advice. He said, hey, before you start knocking us, he said, you better start reading your Bible. So I did. I read my Bible through in two months. I mean, I got in that Bible, and I read that Bible. And so after I got through the Bible, I got up one night, and I said, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. You're right. I'm a Baptist. But I didn't want to tell my parents I was a Baptist because they said, the one thing we don't want you to do is go down there to college and become a Baptist. So I said, okay, I won't do that. But I was a Baptist, but I wasn't saved. So now I believed I was baptized, and I'm a Baptist. I figured that's it. Next step is heaven. Well, boy, Dr. Falwell used to have some good preachers. One thing about Dr. Falwell I've got I've to commend him for, he would have the, he loved those old preachers. Man, he loved the men of God, and he would take care of them and bring them in. And it just so happened that I, have, I came into the Baptist movement, independent Baptist movement, right when all those old-timers were still preaching. I, I love Brother Thompson, and, and I'll tell you something. I love Brother Thompson for several reasons, but I just love him for his generation. I love him for, the, for where he came from. But I'll tell you, I got to hear John R. Rice. I got to hear Bill Rice. I got to hear Lester Roloff. I got to hear all those guys. But one guy that really impressed me was J. Harold Smith. God's three dead lies. I'm telling you what, I was sitting in the back when he was preaching that message. I was hanging on to the pew. I thought I was sliding into hell. When he talked about uh, the three deadlines, sending away the day of grace the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and a sin unto death. I thought I was involved in all three. I'm hanging on back there with all of my life, and he's preaching, and the Spirit of God is convicting me, telling me, you're not saved. You're not saved. And my mind, see, our minds really get us in trouble. My mind is saying, but I prayed. I prayed, and I was baptized, and I did all of that. And yet, man, the Spirit of God has convicted my heart. And I remember Dr. Smith was talking about the fact that I think it was in Atlanta, Georgia. He was preaching one time, and, and some men were heckling him. 
they were making fun of him. And he asked them to quit and they wouldn't quit. And he asked them to leave and they just kept on. And so he stopped and he said, you men will be dead by tomorrow at this time. That's what he said. He told them that they would be dead. I tried that a few times in my church. But <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway. He's telling, he's telling about these four men. They all die. And I thought I was going to be the fifth. I did. Man, that's when conviction, see, when conviction hits you, it's hard to explain it to somebody that's never had it. But if you've ever had it, you know what it's like. I thought I was going to slip off into hell. And so I'm, I'm sitting back there, and I'm rationalizing the situation. I'm thinking to myself, okay, here I am in Bible college to be a preacher. My parents don't want me to be a Baptist. I prayed a prayer when I was five. What am I going to do? But the Spirit of God is saying, come. The Spirit of God is convicting my heart. So about the, honestly, about the 20th verse, here I came down the aisle. I came down the aisle. And you know what Dr. Smith did? Dr. Smith is standing up there, and he points right at me. I'm about here, and he's up here, and he steps over the, uh, the platform, the end of the platform, and he points at me, and he said, right there, right there is what it's all about. And he's pointing at me. I wanted to go back to my seat. I mean, it made me so embarrassed. I was such an introvert when I was young. But I, I came on down, and I got on my knees, and I began to pray. But before I could really pray, a man touched me on the shoulder. A deacon. Now, let me tell you something about Virginia deacons. One thing you can always spot a Virginia deacon because he has a fat belly and a short tie. I mean, you can always spot the deacons in Virginia because they got a belly like this and their tie is about right here. That's how you know you're a deacon. You can be a deacon if you get a short tie and you have a fat belly. So this, this deacon comes up to me. He, he comes up to me and he says, why'd y'all come? Well, I'm a northerner. I don't speak southern. Why'd y'all come? I mean, he's kind of rough with me. Like, what are you doing down here? I said, I came down here to pray. Now, I should have said I came down here to get saved. But I didn't. He said, son, let's go in the back room. Now, let me tell you something about Church of God. We don't go to back rooms. No, we don't go to back rooms. We do our work at the altar. We do not go to any back room. I didn't know what was back there. I said, I'm not going to back room. He said, son, let's go back to prayer room. I said, hey, I'm going to stay right here. Now, see, in the church of God, here's what they do. This is so tragic, but it's true. Somebody comes down to the altar. One guy is over here with his arm around him saying, let go, let go, let go. Another guy's on the other side saying, hang on, hang on. You don't know what to do. Hang on or let go. So I just told that guy, I said, I just want to pray. So I got down there, and I said, Lord, if I wasn't saved when I was five, I want to be saved now. That's not the prayer I needed to pray. I knew I was lost. But see, I was ashamed. Pride had come into my life. I didn't want to acknowledge it. 
I wanted to just like a secret agent, just take care of it, go back to my seat and say it's okay. Nobody even needs to know. That's what I did. I finished praying, went back to my seat, didn't feel any better. And Dr. Falwell said, okay, everybody who got saved, come right up here. Everybody that got saved, I want you to line up right. Oh, there were a bunch of folks that had gotten saved. And so he even had each one shortly give a testimony about their salvation. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And here I am sitting back at my seat, miserable. I didn't go forward. I didn't confess it. I said, okay, Lord, if I didn't get prayed when I was five, I came down there, I prayed a prayer, I'm okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord hardened my heart. I really believe that. Because he didn't speak to me for a long time. But you know what I did? I graduated from Bible college, and then I went to work at the church, and I worked at that church for about two years. Then I went to Southern Illinois. There were no churches down there. I was going to start a church. Went to Southern Illinois. I met a pastor who needed a youth director and, 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 and other things. And so anyway, I went to work for him for five years. I'm not saved. I mean, I worked hard. I was out visiting, soul winning, bus route, all of those things. Spent sometimes 12, 15 hours a day at church. Not saved. Listen, I preach straight, man. I'll tell you, even, even before I got saved, I knew that not only was the Bible the Word of God, but I knew that God was very specific about what He wanted from His people. Something that we need to get back to today. Let me tell you something. God is a holy, righteous God, and we need to be holy, righteous people. And I knew that in my head. See, my head was full of knowledge. My head was full of infinite information. But my heart condemned me. And the Bible, one of the, one of the evidences of salvation is the Bible says your heart doesn't condemn you. But my heart was condemning me. I never enjoyed preaching on hell. I never enjoyed preaching on judgment. And I sure didn't want to hear about the rapture. But, man, I'd get up there and I'd preach away. I would preach, boy. I'd get to preaching, you know, and had a good time doing it. But, man, my heart, I was empty inside. But I thought, well, the reason I'm empty inside is just I don't spend enough time with the Lord. So I would try to spend time, more time with the Lord and, 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 and do more things. Well, after I got done there, I decided, you know, it was time to go start a church. So I went out and started a church. Started the church, got the church going and on his feet, and the church began to grow. But man, inside, I'm worse than ever. So, August 1988, I'm 34 years old. I'm sitting at Triple S Christian Ranch with my kids. It's an afternoon service, or morning service, I'm sorry, 11 o'clock service. Preacher was preaching. I knew him. As he preached, he stopped right in the middle of the message. Just right in the middle of the message. He stopped. And here's what he said. He said, I feel impressed to say that there is a preacher here that's not saved. And you know what I'm doing? Yeah, you know, I think there's probably one not saved too. Because, you know, the way those guys act when they get on the basketball court. You know, Brother John, what I'm talking about. I thought, there's probably some guys not saved right here. And then, man, the Holy Spirit says, hey, it's you. And you know what? This preacher 
is looking right at me. I hate it when the preachers just look right at you. I mean, he's looking right at me like I'm the only one there. Now, actually, he wasn't doing that, but that's the spirit of God, see? If you've ever been under conviction, sometimes you feel like the spotlight's on you. You feel like you're the only one there. You feel like everybody's looking at you. But the worst thing of it all, I look over on the other side, and the girls are on one side, the guys are on one side, and I'm looking over, and my wife looks at me. And here's what she says. I could read her lips. I could tell. She said, is it you? Oh, that made me mad. I mean, I got hot. I'm looking at her like, what are you doing? All right. He goes on with his message. I'm thinking in my mind, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? All these preachers know me. I know everybody here. I've started a church. I've been preaching hard to these people for, for the last four years. Am I going to go home and tell them I got saved? Man, I was in a dilemma. In my mind, now listen to me, your biggest enemy can be your mind. See, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, not the mind. That's why the devil, he works on your mind. And boy, he was working overtime. Okay, buddy, what are you going to do now? You're, you're in hot water now. You thought you were in hot water before. You're in big time hot water now. How are you going to get out of this? If you go forward and get saved, what are all these people going to think about you? And then you've got to go before the church and tell them, and they're going to kick you out, and what's going to happen to you? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's right. What is going to happen to me? So invitation time came. Oh, the Holy Spirit was working stronger in my heart than he ever had before. I did not go. I sat there, miserable. I went to the, I went to the preacher, Brother Brown, Dave Brown from, Central, from uh, Decatur, uh, Illinois, Central Baptist Church. I went to him later and I said, hey, when you were preaching that message and you said that, did you think it was me? He said, no, I never thought it was anybody. He said, I just felt impressed to say it. I said, well, it was me. Well, anyway... Friday, you know, everybody's wiped out. We're driving home. And I'm, I'm driving the bus. The kids are wiped out. Everybody's sleeping except me. And boy, I'm really thinking this thing over. And I'm, you know, I'm still miserable. But I fell asleep at the wheel of the bus. We were going over the Mississippi River on 57. And I fell asleep on the, on the bus. And, but fortunately, when I did, my head leaned over and it hit the window. And when it did, it woke me up. And right as I woke up, I was headed right for the side of the bridge. And I swerved to miss the bridge, threw the kids out into the aisle. Brother Dawson, are you okay? I'm okay. I just fell asleep, but I'm awake now. I'm okay. <laughs> Everything's okay. But everything wasn't okay. I should have pulled the bus over right there. Now, you can believe this or not, and it doesn't matter to me. It makes no difference to me. I didn't hear an audible, audible voice, but it was like an audible voice. God said, that's it. I didn't hear anybody out loud, but it was like it was out loud. And God said, that's it. I should have pulled over right there, but I didn't. I went on home, and I drove home, and I didn't even unpack the bus. I got out of the bus, ran into the house, and my wife came running after me. She said, what is wrong with you? I said, it's me. 
I'm the one that wasn't saved. She said, you know, she said, I've always thought if anybody's saved, you're saved, until he said that. But she said, when he said that, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart that it was you. I said, I know I got real upset about that. But I said, it was just conviction. And I said, I can't wait. I can't wait any longer. And I fell to my knees right there. And I said, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and I have been wicked. I have been a hypocrite. I have been a liar. And I repent of my sin. And no matter what happens to me now, I don't care. I just want to go to heaven. I just want to be saved. I just want to have that peace that passeth understanding in my heart. I got it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, hey, I'll tell you what. It was like God kicked over a tub of honey in my soul, and it was oozing all over me. And I'll tell you, you might say, well, emotions aren't that important. Emotions don't save you, but that's the aftermath of getting saved. Man, I'm telling you, all those years of being in the ministry, preaching, ministering and all, and being so empty, all of a sudden I wasn't empty anymore. I was saved. Oh, I'll tell you what, I was so happy. Man, I, I went out the next day. I was witnessing to everybody, you know, because God, God gave me the joy of salvation. He gave me, the, I had the real thing. Well, anyway, Sunday morning we had a guest speaker, so I let him speak, and I told the people, I said, you got to come back tonight because i got something to tell you, and you've got to be here. The church was full, and I got up, and I didn't get up and say, okay, folks, I just want you to know I got saved. I didn't do that. I went in, into even more detail than I'm going with you. So I got done sharing my testimony. I just wanted to get out of there, but I knew I couldn't do that because I knew the people were confused. So I told the folks, I said, listen, I said, I want you to have time to pray about this, but I said, in, in two weeks, we're going to have a vote, and if you want to vote me out, it's fine. I don't blame you. I've been a liar. I've been a hypocrite. So if you want to vote me out, it's fine. But I said, I want to give you time to think and pray about it because I know this is shocking to you, but I've just got to be honest with you. This is what happened to me. Well, anyway, when I gave the invitation, you know, normally in our church, people come to the altar. Nobody went to the altar. They got in line to talk to me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get it now. They're going to start telling me, all these years you preached this and you preached that and you were the biggest hypocrite in the church. Oh, man, I knew it was coming. And I thought, well, I've just got to deal with it. That's okay. I'm saved. I can handle it. First lady comes to me, and i got to be honest with you. Out of all the people that could have come to me, the first lady was the one I dreaded the most. <laughs> so I just said, okay, here it goes. And she looked at me, and she said, Brother Rick, I'm not saved either. I don't. I, I remember I prayed a prayer when I was little too, but I'm not saved. I've got bitterness in my heart, and I'm not saved. Man, and she just fell right down. I thought, hey, this isn't going to be so bad. Forty folks got saved. I couldn't believe it. Now, I want you to understand, I'm a little skeptical because I thought this is a very emotional thing. So I was very skeptical about it at first. But then these people, their lives changed. That lady that was a kind of a monster lady. <laughs> uh, really, man, she, was, she scared me. That woman, her life was totally changed. She became a different person. By the way, that's what the Bible says. 
Did you know that the Bible does say that when you truly get saved, that you become a new creature? See, that's what really concerns me today. I see lots of people that after they make a profession, they're no different. And you say, but Brother Dawson, you know, they just need time. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, well, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. I understand people have battles and struggles. That's not what I'm talking about. When you get saved, you get a new nature. Well, anyway, I had a radio broadcast. So I got on the radio. I started sharing my testimony. People were calling in getting saved. I mean, it was unbelievable. How many people got saved? Well, folks, the thing that I, I want to impress upon you tonight is that even though salvation is simple, the only way you get saved is God's way. That's the only way you get saved is God's way. Number one, no one comes to the Lord Jesus Christ unless he's drawn. John chapter 6 is very clear. Nobody gets saved unless they're drawn. Here's what happens so often in our church, and we preachers sometimes are even guilty. We preach a message, and sometimes, you know, the message is powerful, and God uses it, but sometimes at the end, we just try to pull people out of their seats. We're trying to get them to come. And I want to tell you, that's the worst thing you can do, because then you make them a, a, a twofold child of hell. Because they came because you wouldn't leave them alone. And so people come down here. And I'll tell you something. A lot of people get saved because they're in trouble. That's not the same thing as conviction. You know, just because a guy's in trouble and he's made a mess out of everything, he comes down here thinking, okay, salvation will take care of it. That's not biblical conviction. I'm just telling you tonight. Lots of people feel guilty about things. But I want to show you something. You stay with me a couple more minutes. You turn it with me over to the book of, of, uh, of 2 Corinthians. There's a lot of things to say, but tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to show you. This is the best definition of repentance in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. So he's talking about salvation here. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. In other words, the sorrow of the world doesn't have any benefits. Lots of people are sorry. Sorry they got caught. Sorry they did something and had consequences to it. That's not biblical conviction or repentance. Then here is the attitude of the repentant person. For behold, this self-same thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. I like that exclamation point. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now let me tell you something tonight. When you truly get saved and you come to Christ on his terms and you're repentant, there is a, a, a desire and there is an appetite in you to let everybody know you've made it right. I'm sick and tired of people who come down and pray a prayer and you never see them again. You never see them. People come down the altar, pray a prayer. What happened to you? They can't even answer the question. You've got to answer it for them. 
Now that's a bad thing when you're telling them what happened to them and they can't even tell you what happened to them because nothing happened to them. Nothing. Oh man, we go soul winning. You don't want to go to hell, do you? You know you're going to hell. Jesus loves you and he died for you. And, and you need to pray right now. And we put pressure on people. And I want to tell you something right now. I'm all for zeal. But you gotta, you got to have a balance. And when you talk to people about the Lord, he has to convict them of their sin. And they've got to repent. And we've become afraid to talk to people about repentance because we're afraid we'll scare them away. You can't scare a person away if it's godly repentance and conviction. You're not going to scare anybody away by telling them the truth. Oh, but we're, we're afraid to say that. We're afraid to tell people you're going to change. You don't have to change to get saved, but you're going to change. Now, I'll tell you this. You say, Brother Dawson, you know, this is really not the appropriate place to be preaching this message. We got, we're full. We got all kinds of, of, of godly people here that are from this church, and then the church is full of Christian workers. Hey, I'll tell you something. I was one of those. I was one. And here it is, folks. Here's the thing that bothered me more than any other scripture. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, wait a minute. What kind of people are these people? Church workers. Church workers. People involved in the ministry. Yes. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I never knew you. Hey, if the rapture had taken place, I could have easily went to hell from the pulpit. I could take you to three places I should have died. I mean, it's just as serious as I can be. I can take you right now to three places I should have been killed. I supernaturally was spared by the grace of God. But I would have died and went to hell as a Baptist preacher. You know, I've got good friends back here. The Griswoods, I've known them for many years. I was sharing this at camp, and uh, their daughter, Rachel, I've known her a long time. She came down in tears to the altar, and I thought she was going to pray with somebody, and I looked over and I didn't see anybody, but I thought she was going down to pray with somebody. And I'll tell you, I've always been impressed with her. And, and after the service, she came to me in tears, and she said, Brother Dawson, I just want you to know I got saved. I got saved. I thought, praise God, man, wonderful. This other lady came up to me, and she said, Brother Dawson, you don't know me, but I've been to camp uh, before with you. And she said, my husband's a pastor, and I just want you to know I just got saved. Now, can I say something to you tonight? The thing that's really impressed me with all these folks getting saved not that it has to happen, 
But I think it's a good thing. Every one of them that I saw, every one of them were broken. They were broken. Tears. There was a brokenness. I so oftentimes see these people coming forward to church, you know, I just got saved, and I'm glad they're happy about it, you know? But it's just like, I just got a new suit, you know? I just got saved. Well, maybe they did. But I'll tell you something. When you come into the presence of a holy God, and he puts the spotlight of conviction on your life and shows you how wretched you are and how that you're going to go to hell and be separated forever from God, and you see yourself in the light of God's word, I don't think you'd go around like this. I just don't. I think there's a brokenness. When you repent, I know when I repented of my sin, and I was broken. I was so vile and I was so wicked, but I really had lived in other people's eyes a pretty good life. But in the presence of God, I was wicked. So tonight, there's probably somebody in this room that's not saved. And you may be sitting there like I was, and you're starting to sweat. Maybe you're looking around a little bit. How can I get out of here? And then when, maybe it's, what am I going to do if I go forward? What are people going to think about me? What am I? Forget it. Do you think there's one person in this room that's a true born-again believer that's not going to rejoice? And if nobody in here rejoices, there's going to be rejoices in the, rejoicing in the presence of angels. I would have went to hell as a Baptist preacher. But thank God. Amen. He had enough mercy and grace Amen. to let me live long enough to get saved. Amen. I'm so glad he did. There has to be conviction. There has to be repentance. There has to be confession. And you cannot be ashamed. And I'm, I really don't put whole much weight on these uh, prayers back at your seat. I don't. You say, Brother Dawson, I just stayed back there, prayed a prayer, took care of it, went home. I don't think so. No. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You know, one thing that has been a blessing since August 6, 1988, I've never doubted my salvation one time. Now, I'm not going to say tonight that if you ever doubt your salvation, you're not saved. But if you're continually doubting your salvation, that is contradictory to the Bible because the Bible is very clear in 1 John. He gives us assurance and he gives us confidence. Now, you say tonight, well, Brother Dawson, Salvation is something you can't see, so you can't be sure of. I want to tell you something right now. Even though we walk by faith and not by sight, when you, when you take the, the promises of God personally, you can count on them. You can tell me tonight that I'm not alive. I know I'm alive. You can tell me tonight I'm not married. 
because my wife's not here. I'm married. I, would I have a mother-in-law if I wasn't married? Oh, come on. I'm married. I know some things. And I'll tell you one thing I know. I know whom I have believed in. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know. I'm saved. Gloriously, wonderfully saved by the grace of Are you? You say, Brother Dawson, I don't remember when I got saved. You're not saved. You're not saved. How can you not remember? Now, you may not remember the date. Maybe nobody paid any attention to that. But you remember. If you're saved. You say, Brother Dawson, I prayed a prayer when I was little because my girlfriend prayed a prayer. Uh-uh. No good. We were in emotional service, and everybody was going forward, so I went. No good. No good. See, God will get a hold of you, and he will show you your sin, and then he will draw you to himself. And then you will come into his presence and you will be so convicted that you will be willing to repent of your sin that separates you from God and call upon his name and be saved. Hey, we've we've had the melodies, a couple of the melodies got saved this year, this summer. I'm waiting for the rest of them to get saved. Amen. (laughs) Praise God for that. They're traveling for the college. They're representing the college and the Lord. Amen. They got saved. That makes them better. Hey, it is better when the preacher gets saved. It's better. (laughs) And it's really better when the wife gets saved. Praise God. So I'm I'm just saying to you tonight, there's, there's no pressure here at all. I'm not ringing up numbers, folks. I'm being honest with you. I'm telling you what God has done. But the people have been in the services with me, and some have been in some of those services. I did not high-pressure anybody. I just gave them a testimony and told what happened to me and, told what, and just tell people what the Bible says. Now, can you be honest with me tonight and shake your head? Did I tell you tonight what the Bible says? God does the business. If tonight every person in this room is saved, praise God. If nothing else, it'll help us to be more sensitive and more careful when we're dealing with others. But if somebody here is not saved, you're going to hell. And you're going to be separated from God forever because of your pride. And because you will not do what your heart is telling you to do. And I'm telling you tonight, I was there. I want to ask you a question tonight. How many of you would say, Brother Dawson, God spoke to my heart tonight? Just be honest. God spoke to my heart tonight. Be honest about it. Raise your hand tonight. God spoke to my heart about this thing of being saved. God spoke to my heart about this thing of being saved.
heaven. Such glorious beauty everywhere. Heaven. There's no other place that can compare. Heaven. God's glory fills the air. Heaven. There'll be no more pain and sorrow there. Heaven. No more sickness and death nor despair. Heaven. The Lamb of God sits on His throne chair. Heaven is the eternal home for the saints the Lord has prepared. If you're on the road to nowhere, separation from the Holy God is a living nightmare. Your life may seem hopeless, but Jesus cares. Jesus understands, and He is aware. That's why the cross He did bear. He wants you to become His kingdom heir. Can you trust and believe in the Lord today? If yes, then pray the sinner's prayer. Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner and have sinned against you. And my sins have separated me from you. Please forgive me for my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with all my heart that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary that I can be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. I repent of my sins and I will live and worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right now, I am born again. I am saved and I am cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.